Church, there is absolutely no limit to what the God of the universe can do through an available life. And I just believe today that if you could catch a glimpse of what God could do on the backside of your surrender, you would probably shudder at the thought that it's even possible. And some of you have taken for granted the call of God on your life. And I just want to speak this over you today, that God is dreaming about the day that you will wake up to the fact that he not only has invited you into his story, he actually delights to use you. So you're not like burdening him to come before him today. You're not like someone who's bothering him. It's like, oh, it's her again. It's him again. Maybe I'll do something. No, he's actually dreaming about the day that on the backside of your availability, he can use you in such a profound way. And I never want our church to graduate past. God is not looking for perfect people. He is looking for available people. And so if you're ready and willing to be used by God today, I believe he's got something powerful for you. And if you're ready and willing to hear from the word of God today, I believe God wants to speak. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so powerfully this morning. Oh, man, this is so good. You can have a seat right where you're at. My soul needed those songs. And don't take for granted the call of God on your life, but don't take for granted the worship team that leads you every single week. My gosh feels so good to be in this space. Welcome to church. My name is Miles Fidel. It's officially Christmas time. Why don't you tell somebody Merry Christmas next to you? And I'm so excited about the next couple of weeks and all that God's going to do. Got some important updates. Number one, want to tell you about the calendar for the next few Sundays. So today we have a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Same thing next Sunday. And then after December 20th, Christmas Eve is on a Thursday. We told you last Sunday that we're going to do one gathering at 4 p.m. And that's a RSVP only gathering. Unfortunately, we just want to limit the spacing. And didn't know how many people were going to sign up for that. But that gathering has actually already filled up. And so we are adding another one at 2.30 p.m. Here's the deal. If you signed up to go to the 4 p.m. gathering and you're like, oh, 2.30 works so much better for our schedule because my dad gets super stressed out about dinner reservations. And so we're already pushing it there. Go to the 2.30, calm him down. How many of you actually have a dad like that? That's exactly how my dad was growing up. And it was like everything was super stressful, including vacation. And it was like, I thought we were going on this trip to relax, but apparently we were going to meet your timetable on every single thing. Some of you, this is so clearly hitting too close to home, and I love seeing your dad on your row, like, guilty. But you know what? You're a great man of God, and you serve your family humbly, and nobody's going to judge you for being so passionate about your schedule. Here's the deal. If you're signed up for the four, you can come to the 2.30. You do have to RSVP for kids. We're going to have ACC kids ages five and under, and uh, really excited about the response on that and pumped about what God's going to do on Christmas Eve. And then on December 27th, we got no gatherings in person. We'll be posting the sermon from Christmas Eve and truly believe God's going to use that sermon in such a powerful way. Second update I want to give you is last Sunday, we got to have a long extended conversation about Hamilton Road. And if you're new to our church, you are actually in a venue that we had no plans of renovating into our very own space that you're sitting in right now. And we're so grateful for the faithfulness of God. But the vast majority of our time together as a church, we've been a church without walls, literally. We have not had a building until this building a little over a year ago became our own. And right when it became our own, it was like too small, week one. 
And so we were already dreaming about the future. And right now, where things stand, 2020 has been a year all over the place as we prepare to break ground on Hamilton Road. And I got in front of you last week. If you missed that gathering, you need to watch it because I talked for about 10 minutes about here's what happened this year and here's what we're looking toward next year. But the reality is, especially with the good news about the vaccine getting FDA approved, we believe that there is a post-COVID era in our country that's going to come. And we believe, you can clap for that because I'm actually super excited about it. Some of you are like, well, I don't know if it's safe. I don't have all the, yeah, we know things have to get figured out, but we're believing that God's going to be faithful and there is going to be a day where the church is gathered again as the post-COVID-19 church. And when that happens, I don't want to say we're in trouble, but we're in need because there is no way that this room can house the number of people who now call this church home, especially after what God has started to do online through our church. And so we got that land off Hamilton Road and, and there was about $228,000 of outstanding debt sitting on it that we wanted to pay off at the beginning of this month without touching our cash reserves that are set aside to build a building out there. And we're so close, y'all. Like we are so close to being able to break ground out there. I, we can feel it and we're praying toward it. We're marching, but we're not sprinting toward building a building out there. So I got in front of you last Sunday and I said, listen, we wanna pay this off this week, $228,000. That's what we're given toward. And in typical Auburn Community Church fashion, you guys did not meet the goal. You more than doubled the goal. More than double. Amazing. More than double. How many of you know sometimes the miracle that you're praying for isn't even half of what God is dreaming about? How many of you know that if you could see the thoughts of God over your life today, you would actually freak out about what his capacity is in and through your life? I'm so excited about this, but I wanna be honest with you. If it sounds like that's sort of an end game goal, it's not. We put that as the first Sunday in December for a reason. The reality is things have changed in the construction world and things have changed about what exactly we want to build off of Hamilton Road. And so we are still a lengthy ways away from being financially able to break ground off of Hamilton Road. And so here's what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you in December to think about giving a gift toward a building fund. Nobody gets excited about that. I'm asking you to pray, maybe individually, maybe together with your spouse, maybe as a family, about whether or not God's calling you to give a gift of generosity to sow a seed into the life of our church. The question is not, do we need a building? We know we need a building. The question is, do you believe in what God is doing here? And do you believe that what's happened in your family needs to happen in other families and that we need to extend and expand what God is doing in the life of this church? If that's the case, pray about it and give cheerfully. But this is not about compulsion and this is not about we have to do this. No, we'll figure out a way to do church no matter what. We feel like this is us being faithful with the resources God has entrusted to us. And the great thing is the more you give, and the more we're able to expand, the more we are able to bless others all around the world and in our own local community. And if I could show you on that screen what we have been able to do in 2020 through your generosity, it would blow your mind and it would be too much for one gathering. So let's continue to be a generous church. We're believing big things over the course of this month. And I'm just asking you, would you pray about an end of year gift to Auburn Community Church if you've been impacted by our faith family? We're gonna go into our bringing time right now. You can give on Venmo, you can give online. 
You can send checks in the mail to 323 Airport Road. And I know for many of you, there are questions that come along with generosity. And it's like, well, I want to know like more details about what the building looks like. And I want to know a specific timetable and who's the builder. And do you have this stuff figured out? Our team would love to meet with you and have that conversation and make sure everything's clear about where we're going moving forward. I'm excited about the faithfulness of God. I am like well rested. I've been at Disney World all week with my family. And so if you can't tell, I'm like overflowing with joy. And it's just like Mickey. And I just feel amazing today. Um, but I'm excited because I don't get to overwhelm you with, I don't know why I said Mickey. Uh, I, I don't I want to overwhelm you with too much volume or too much positivity. I get to listen in on the word of God along with you today because our college and community pastor, Gage Henry, is going to be bringing the word of God today. And listen, he's got a word that is going to land for so many of you in a specific way during this season. And so I'm going to pray for him as he comes up here, but I really genuinely and sincerely want to ask every person within the sound of my voice to ask God, would you reveal yourself to me over the course of this time as we open the word of God and as we sing praise? And even if you don't believe in Jesus, maybe you're here just because someone literally made you come. Would you just find it in your heart to whisper a prayer to God? God, if you're real, I'm listening. I believe he'll show up. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus ahead of time for what you are going to do in and through this moment. I pray for Gage as he brings the word of God that you would use this moment in such a powerful and profound way in people's lives. God, that we would leave here different than the way we walked in. And God, I just pray for the person who has given up on you invading their desperate situation. I pray that you give them a new beginning and new hope today. I pray that in light of what your word tells us in the Christmas story, that we would be overwhelmed by how much you're capable of doing at the least expected time. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful that we get to sit in this moment. We give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, like Miles said, and my name is Gage Henry. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. I'm really excited because I love Christmas time. I mean, I might be the only one, but do you love Christmas time as much as I do? Yeah, so why don't we just start this way? I love traditions and I love all the different things that Christmas entails. So why don't you uh, tell your neighbor your favorite Christmas song? Go ahead, tell your neighbor your favorite Christmas song right now. Is it Six Feet Away in a Manger? Or I'll be home for Christmas because I never left. Some of y'all have those kind of families. You're like Dominic the Donkey kind of families. If you know, then you know. But if not, don't worry about it. Yeah, I love Christmas time, Christmas songs. You know, for me personally, my favorite is anything related to Bing Crosby. So like White Christmas, uh, anything related to that, I love Bing Crosby. And I think it's because... I have this vivid memory of my grandfather, and he was sitting in uh, a chair, and he was literally chilling by the fire while he ate fondue, and he, I didn't real, he didn't realize it, but he was living out Justin Bieber lyrics, right? And literally, that was, I, ha, I remember him sitting there next to this fire, and I remember the Bing Crosby White Christmas album playing, and it just gave me this feeling. Every time I think back, what makes it so special is the meaning of that memory, right? And I feel like Christmas time just brings that out. 
I looked it up and literally science proves this, that a dopamine hits your brain every single time you think about your favorite Christmas tradition. It literally causes you to get excited and just lift your spirit. Christmas time literally can do that. And it's something known as the magic of Christmas. And so I'm fighting this feeling, and maybe you're with me in this, if you're fighting like the hope of Christmas and Jesus and getting so excited about celebrating all the things that you love, but also in the same reality, living in the hardness of this year and the reality that 2020 for so many of us has been so difficult. And maybe you're looking at this time and it's hard because someone's not going to be there at Christmas this year. Or maybe you don't have the same job that you once had. And maybe the feelings that you've been feeling related to uh, mental health have just kind of hit their peak. And you're kind of feeling that, that desperation. Maybe a breakup happened. And so I'm fighting this, like, I got to hold on to hope, but also, like, this is hard. Like, what do we do with this? And if you're like me, you get to that point of realizing and maybe crying out that prayer that just Miles even prayed. Like, God, are you even there? Like, God, where are you in all this? Where are you in the situations that I find myself in today? Where are you? Because I'm waiting on you to show up. And if that's you, I believe today what we're going to talk through is going to be perfect for your situation because we're going to look at the stories and the announcements of two births, of two boys, one being John, who's going to prepare the way, and the other being Jesus, who is the way. And so I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today, and, and I feel like we have so much to cover, but also I'm just going to keep it concise. And so before we get going, I just want to give you the title of this sermon, and it's this, Highly Favored, Highly Favored. You are highly favored. And some of you, when I say that, I'm like, you're highly favored. And you're like, yep. <laughs> like, I know. I'm also really humble. Right? Like, and I just need to tell you, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so just know that. But most of us, most of us, we are on the other side of that. And I just told you all about 2020. And you're like, if there could be the opposite of highly favored, that would be me this year. I do not feel highly favored at all because of what I have gone through. So what do we do? What do we do when it feels like God is silent and you're waiting on him? What do we do? And that's a question I've asked so much throughout my life. As a follower of Jesus, before that, what do I do if I feel like God's not there, if he's not involved, if he's not speaking to my situation? What do I do if I don't feel like it? And I feel like if that's you, again, this is great. But before we get into what I just said, I believe that uh, the Zechariah story we're going to read and Mary's response to the angel Gabriel has implications on our lives today. And just, again, Miles always talks about this on stage. When we talk about the gospel, a lot of us do this thing where we jump straight to the resurrection of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, guess what? Jesus has saved you. It's so amazing. He is risen. And people are like, from where? What? <laughs> And they don't realize, like, wait, there's a holy God that I was separated from in the first place, and now because of my sin, like, I needed saving in the first place. And I think the same thing happens with the Christmas story. The same thing happens because what, what do we do? We say, for unto you a child is born, yea, Jesus has arrived. And we miss out on the fact that there was over 400 years where God's people were waiting. And we miss out on the weight of the birth of Jesus if we don't take a second to realize what happened in the waiting of God's people. And so I want to give you a really quick just overview of the, where we, what happened in those 400 years. Because I, I know about you, like, I, I hate waiting. Anybody in here love to wait? Anybody? 
I don't see nobody, exactly. Like, not one person's like, I love waiting. Because we're all like instant gratification. And I was actually thinking about this this week. Um, we just celebrated my wife who's sitting over here. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary. I know. I'm an expert in marriage. You can ask her. I'm really good at this thing. And I was thinking of actually back to our first time we started dating. And maybe you can think back if you're married and you remember how, like, how did I convince her to marry me? Like, that's what I thought about. And I thought about this time when I was waiting and I was texting her. And you know, guys, you have that text. You, you crafted it up. You spent, like, ten minutes thinking of, like, one response. I remember clicking send, thinking, like, I'm hilarious. That was amazing. She's going to love that. And then an hour goes by with no response. And you're like, why did I use that emoji? Why the fire emoji? I should use this thing. And then an hour goes by, and then another hour, and then another hour. And I'm like, that's it. I'm getting dumped. That's it. And then she's like, oh, sorry, I didn't have my phone. And I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. Whew, you know, dodge that bullet. And some of you that are dating, you understand what the three dots of death are. You know, you send somebody something, and you see the three dots pop up, and then they go away. And then they pop up, and then they go away. And then there goes your relationship forever with them, right, because they never respond. Like, we understand we hate waiting. But on the other side of that, in this period of waiting, right, we hate silence. Any extroverts in the room? See, that was so easy for you. Like, just raise your hand, of course. Attention. Yeah, I love it. Any extroverts in the room? You know what I'm talking about? My father-in-law is an extreme extrovert, and I love my father-in-law. And the first time I went to his house, uh, he's a great salesman, and so he showed me around. He has an office in his house, and I went downstairs, and he had this statement on his desk that blew me away. I still think about it. And for extroverts in the room, this will hit home. It's, am I listening or am I waiting to talk? Am I listening or am I waiting to talk? Because we feel that silence, don't we? And it's hard to hear from God if we don't give him the space to speak. And I think not just in relationships, but with God, we do this all the time. We fill that silence. And so the context of what we've been going through, okay, what happened at the end of the story? What happened? What was the last thing that was spoken before this 400, peri- 400 years period of silence? And it was actually in Malachi. And so in your Bibles, you have Malachi and then Matthew, and there's maybe a page, and we might miss out on the fact there's 400 years in that one page. And Malachi, and it says in four, verse 4, or chapter 4, it talks about Elijah. And it says Elijah will be coming, and then silence. What happens? There's waiting, and there's silence. Waiting, and there's silence. And so what happens in those 400 years, I'm going to give you a really quick history lesson. And so don't tune me out if you hate history. My wife was like, I hate history. So just keep that part brief. And so just stay with me for a second. But in those 400 years, there's a man named Alexander the Great that steps in. And he brings the original euangelion, which is the gospel for the world. And it was his gospel, which was this. It was the first time a worldview centered around me and myself. It was you can be the god of your own world. And here's how. Our society is going to be so amazing that it's going to satisfy all your needs. It's going to be built upon four things, education, healthcare, athletics, and entertainment. Those are literally the four things brought by Alexander the Great to this new society. And I tell you that, obviously, it hit home. Some of you realize, like, that is, we are actually descendants from that. And John Mark Comer, who is a pastor in Oregon, who's a post-Christian pastor, he talks about these ideals. He says that in our world today, we want the kingdom without the king. We want all the things that Jesus has to offer. We want love and we want joy and we want hope and satisfaction. We want all these amazing things, but we don't want to surrender our lives to someone. We don't want to have to sacrifice anything in our lives. And so in this period, the reason why I tell you all that is because God's people had to make a decision. 
God's people had to decide, am I going to wait on the faithfulness of God to remember his promise of the Messiah that is to come, or am I going to accept this new world gospel, which is my soul satisfaction begins and ends with me. My kingdom come. My will be done. That's why Jesus later said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what I think is so amazing is Paul says this in Galatians 4.4. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. It means that the world was perfectly prepared for the message of Jesus. Perfectly prepared. Here's why. Because in those 400 years, I believe the enemy thought he was gaining a lot of ground. Because it seemed like God was silent and God's people were waiting. And I bet he was really fired up that he was beginning to actually destroy families and destroy the culture of God's people by saying, guess what? Accept this new thing. Yes, it's all about you. It's all about you. And I believe that the enemy was saying, look at this. This I'm working. I'm winning. This is so great. But what's so unbelievable to me and so amazing is that God ended up using everything in those 400 years to perfectly prepare the world for the message of Jesus and the story of Jesus. Because not only was this the gospel about your kingdom come, your will be done, but also the idea that Jesus, when he stepped in, he had a way for people to actually hear about it. Because the Greeks brought about Hellenism, which all that means is to speak Greek or identify with their culture. So he united the entire world under one language. And then the Romans followed that and built roads so everybody could trade. So now guess what? When the message of Jesus comes and people want to hear about it, they all speak the same language, and there's roads for the message to go out. And so in the middle of all this, and here's why I'm telling you this is a lot of setup, but here's why I'm telling you all this is because we get to make the same decision. In our world today, you have to make that same decision. Am I going to accept the world view that I want where it's all about me, or am I actually going to lay my life down for something else because Jesus did it for me so I can have a relationship with him? And we have to make that decision, but here's what's so amazing. Guess what? Luke, the first person to write something, after all, those time, all that time went by, guess what he did? He introduced us to a family. And the family was Zechariah, who was a priest, and his wife Elizabeth. And a lot of times you skip him to get to Mary and Joseph. But think about this. God's people, after 400 plus years of waiting, they hear this. Zechariah and Elizabeth. The name Zechariah in Hebrew means the Lord remembers. And the name Elizabeth in Hebrew means God is my promise. The first thing the Jewish nation, God's people heard after 400 plus years of waiting was this. God remembers his promise. God remembers his promise. And that's why it's so important for us to not skip out. We miss out on the weight of the waiting. And also, in the silence, we learn in those 400 years that in the silence, God is still sovereign. In the silence, God is still sovereign. So now, since we've set it up, we finally get to get to the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, hold it up. Hold it up in this room all around here. Pastor Miles, I'm glad you brought your Bible. Everybody else brought your Bible. This is good. This is good. All right, I'm going to do my own version of the Bible drill because it's fun. Um, how about if you have a real Christmas tree in your house right now, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. All the fake people, hold it up. <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. I'm actually one of you too because, let's be real, I'm just lazy and don't have to put the lights on it every year. But All right, everybody turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke. Chapter 1, verse 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. What happened? God has remembered his promise. Your prayer has been heard. The Messiah is coming. Your son will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And the first thing that was mentioned was your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Which prayer? Think about this. Which prayer? Is it the prayer that everybody's been praying with God's people that the Messiah would be here? Or is it the prayer that I've been praying for a long time personally that I would have a son? And it's almost like the angel's like, yes, to both. Which prayer, though, did Zechariah doubt? It wasn't that this, there could be the savior of the world here. It could be that a son for his family. That's the one that he doubted. Why is it so hard for us to believe that God would do something personal for us when we pray to him? But we can believe that, yeah, he would save the world and he would send Jesus and all these amazing things would happen. We're like, yeah, of course he can move mountains. He's the God of the universe. He can do that. But he, can, he doesn't care about me enough to care about my situation. He might not answer my personal prayer because guess what? Uh, he doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't really want me. I'm not favored enough to be used by him. But at the same time, we'll say, you know what? Yeah, Jesus saved us. Zechariah responded that exact same way. How can I be sure of this? And I think it's this right here. Prayer is not about God giving you what you want. Prayer is about God getting you to desire what he wants. You get the opportunity to align your lives with the purposes of God. And so what if instead of praying, you know, for a spouse, what if you begin to pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And as you begin to serve him on mission, maybe you start a nonprofit, and guess what? All of a sudden you find your spouse in the process. There's sometimes what's amazing is that God answers our personal prayers. At the same time, he answers big prayers for the community and the world we live in. And Zechariah questions God's answer. And I love what Angel Gabriel says in response to, as God's voice to him. Because God silenced Zechariah's unbelief spiritually by silencing Zechariah physically. It says, what does it say? It says, you'll be silent because of your unbelief. Who is in the way? Zechariah. The true freedom we get to experience in this life is when, on the other side of realizing it's not about us. True freedom is found when we realize that, wait, my favor is all meant to point back to Jesus. So my challenge, again, for you is don't wish away the waiting. 
Don't wish you weren't in college anymore. Don't think the next season is going to be the one where God uses you. When you wish away the waiting, you miss out on what God wants to say to you while he's with you in the waiting. And I think for us, it's so hard to believe that God actually wants to know me personally. And when you look in the mirror and you're like, God, I I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever figure out this thing. I don't know if I'll ever truly feel happy again. I don't know if I will get the job that I want one day. And he's like, I'm here with you. And I realized for me, it hit me like, like literally like an arrow into the heart this week, uh, talking about Zechariah, because uh, the Christmas play of the ACC kids is today, which, come on, give it up for our ACC kids team. Yeah, I'm so pumped for that. I'm so ready. Karen's doing a phenomenal job. And it hit me because Karen, this literally a couple weeks ago, was like, hey, uh, could your son Griffin, who's two and a half months old, uh, could he play John? And I was like, God, what are you trying to show me? Like... <laughs> Am I really full of unbelief and all these things? Like, oh my goodness. And honestly, I'm just glad he's not playing Jesus because that's a lot of pressure. I don't know if he's ready for it. But I was thinking about the kids' play today, and I was like, God, oh my goodness. Like, I'm playing, well, I'm not playing. My son's playing John, so I'm Zechariah. It's like, what, where in my life have I done this? Where I've said, God's given me a blessing or said something to me or given me a step that I know I need to take, and I respond to him with, well, just give me another sign. Tell me I'm supposed to do that. And, and so I began thinking about this, and it's hilarious that I'm talking to you right now on, in Auburn, Alabama, because this is the very thing that happened to me, and you, it, you don't have to believe me, but it happened. I was driving, I was living in Athens, Georgia, I was driving to Gainesville, Georgia, and I was getting away just so I could pray about whether or not I take this job, whether or not I move my family to Auburn. And on the way I'm driving, I remember crying out, feeling like I knew that we were supposed to come here, and I remember crying out to God, like, God, just give me a sign. Like, just so clearly give me a sign, and I'm driving. True story, no joke. I look to my right at some old country road, and I see a road sign, and it says, Tiger Lane. 100% true story. I was like, oh my goodness. And I kept driving. You know what my response was? I was like, well, if he can do it once, he can do it again. Like, God, give me another sign. You know, maybe then I'll really know I'm supposed to go there. And I thought about it, and it's so true. Why do, why do we do this? He gave me the sign but I still wasn't confident enough to take the step. And I think so many of you in this room right now, if I were to talk to you personally, you know, you know that God is calling you to take a step in one area or direction in your life. And it's so hard to want to do that. We make excuses when God wants to use us as an example. And we respond to God's unconditional favor with our list of conditions. And we respond and say, here are my expectations, God. Like, please answer my prayer in this way or that way or show up in this way in my life. So I have a question for you. What have you gotten comfortable with in your life that's slowly killing your soul? Because here's what I learned from Zechariah's story. The enemy of favor is the familiar The enemy of favor is familiar. What what happened in his life? He spent over probably 90 years, 80 years, give or take some, that long waiting on God. So what's familiar to him? No way I'm going to get a son. Because here's what's true. Think about this in your own life. If fear is familiar to you, if anxiety is familiar to you, 
if being stuck in a certain sin struggle is familiar to you, if you've been addicted to something for a long time and it's familiar to you, if you've been in a certain relationship for a long time and it's really familiar to you, then guess what happens? When favor begins to step into your life, what do we do? We say, oh, that's not possible. That's not me. It's because we push God's favor out of the way to get back to what's familiar. And that's what's known as a comfort zone. And some of you, I just got to be really honest with you, some of you, your comfort zone is killing some of you. And it's been so comfortable in this sin that you began to tame. You think about this, like I, I had a mentor tell me, you don't tame sin, you kill it. You don't tame sin, you kill it. Because I thought about this, a lion tamer. And I'm like, when I see a lion tamer, I'm like, it's only a matter of time, right? Like, it's only a matter of time because that lion is still a lion. And that lion will devour you, even though you've tamed it for enough time. But the sin wants to kill you because the enemy wants to destroy your life. And the comfort that you feel right now is actually what's killing you. It's familiar. And so for me personally, what's been familiar to me for way too long, and I've been honest with you, I want to be always real with you up here and never want to fake it. And my personal experience is what I can express to you and confidently. And, and for me, what's been really familiar is waiting rooms and hospitals. And for me, I think when I'm in a waiting room, it's so silent in there. And it's so like, I'm waiting just for the worst case scenario to actually come true. And I've been in there with my aunt who passed away this past year. I've been there with my grandfather who passed away. I've been there with so many people. And for me personally, I shared last time, literally on Christmas Eve last year, my mom went into kidney failure, which led us to realize that she had stage four cancer. That was last Christmas Eve. And I feel like I've been just so stuck in these waiting rooms of life. And one waiting room that really stood out to me was when I was about 24, I found myself in a waiting room, and the other side of that hospital room was my friend Evan. And Evan had actually had, um, his, his heart had stopped, and he went into cardiac arrest three times, and he hadn't gotten oxygen to his brain, and so they rushed him to the hospital. And now all of our friends are all on our knees praying, like, God, heal his heart. Like, you would receive so much glory if you did this miracle. Like, just do it, God. I know you can. And I remember those prayers where you, like, really believe and you really want it to happen so much that it feels like he's in the room with you. Like, I was praying so hard, like, God, please heal him. And then the next day, his wife comes in, who he just married, comes in and says, they pronounced him brain dead. And he's gone. And they said, hey, your closest friends, you six, if y'all want to say goodbye, you can go in and say goodbye. I think I have even a picture of it, us saying goodbye to Evan. And I remember saying, I literally walked out of that hospital room. I walked back to that cold floor with the fluorescent lights and the vending machine I'd eaten way too much out of. And I remember walking over there, getting down on my knees, just saying, God, you're not here. Where'd you go? And all I felt back was silence. And I was praying, God, you could receive so much glory. Why didn't you do it? You ever pray those kind of prayers where you're like, God, you should have. Exactly. I was praying that prayer. And I was like, what are you doing in this? Where are you? And then he's going to his organ donation surgery. We're like, we're going to stay with him all the way through. So he's going to his organ donation surgery. 
And then they said that his heart started beating strong. And that's the very thing that killed him. They're like, well, this is kind of weird, but we got to monitor it. So four hours go by with his heart starting to beat stronger and stronger and stronger. And so two weeks later, we're sitting in a room with all of our friends in a living room. And his widow now reads out a letter. And the letter starts by saying, Evan's heart was successfully transplanted into a 50-year-old man with some kids and some grandkids along with 45 other body parts that were answers to prayer for other people. I just remember falling down, like the overwhelming feeling of the goodness of God, like falling to my knees and just saying, God, you were there the whole time. And not only that, you even answered my prayer. You healed his heart. You legitimately healed his heart so that he could give it away to somebody else. And I think about this man down in Florida in his 50s with a family that literally has blood pumping through his veins because of my friend's heart. And that gives me so much joy to talk about. And it gets me excited. And I can say God is good even though it's hard in life. And God is faithful and he remembers his promises even when I don't feel like he's speaking and when he feels silent. I can say those things because I know that God always remembers his promises. And every time I think about my friend Evan, I think about the fact that we can celebrate Christmas because of the resurrection of Jesus. And I begin to think about Jesus. It makes me feel so great to think about the fact that he laid his heart down so that I could have life. That I could go to heaven one day and spend eternity with him. And I begin to think about just you in this room right now, and I'm just, I've tried to be as honest and real and hold it together. And I've been feeling like in this time, I know that there's somebody in this room, and there's somebody maybe watching you feel like you're in a period of silence. You feel like you're, you've been waiting on God a long time. I just need to tell you, he's sovereign. What if you could trade in? What if you could trade in your disappointment of needing an answer to the confidence that comes from knowing that he always hears you? What if you could actually pray prayers and know that he hears even if he doesn't answer? And so that's why I'm excited, because we want to read. I'm going to close with this in, in just a second. But we want to read the birth, well, this announcement of the birth of Jesus. Because that's why we have reason to celebrate. So it's time to get to Jesus. Luke 1, we're going to be in verse 28. It says this. The angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will receive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Which begs the question, why Mary? 
Mary was this poor Galilean girl who was engaged to a carpenter. She probably just hit puberty, which is why she was engaged. It literally says, what good stuff comes from Nazareth? Nothing. There's about 10 acres of land. Why Mary? It's because she's the last possible person the world would expect to give birth to the Savior. And she thought that herself, which is the craziest part. Because guess what? When uh, Gabriel appears to Daniel and Daniel, it says he fell on his face. When Gabriel appears to Zechariah, it says he was gripped with fear. When she appears to Mary, what does it say? Not that she fell on her face. It said that she was troubled by what? By his words. What did he say? You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. And that's what surprised her. Some of you need to know you're highly favored. And that means that God wants to use you, even if you don't think he wants to use you. It's so amazing that God is not through with each and every one of us in this room. We have breath in our lungs. It means it's not finished yet. Our work is not finished yet. And so the response that I see from Mary, the response is kind of what, what I want to sh- share with you guys earlier. The enemy of favor is the familiar. And that means the only response we can have to favor is surrender. The enemy of favor is the familiar. The response to favor is surrender. She ends by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. I want to speak to some of you who've been following Jesus for a long time in this room. And to be honest with you, you don't need another sign from God to take your next step. You've just been delaying your need to sacrifice something. When's the last time you were shocked by God? When's the last time you said, I don't know how, God, but I know that you will? When's the last time you took a risk and you said, you know what, God, I'm going to lay my life down on the altar and you can use me however you want to, just like you use Mary, the person that nobody expected to be the birth mother of the Savior of the world. If God can use Mary, he can use you. And what's unbelievable to me is that Mary's surrender led to the world's salvation. When Mary said, you know what, I'm your servant, you know what that also meant? I'm going to be an unwed pregnant mother. That meant that I'm going to be an outcast of society. And the very fact that Mary one day would actually stand at the foot of the cross as her son dies, and she's one of the last people there. That's who Mary was. And we get the opportunity to say, you know what? I don't know how, God, but I know you remember your your promises. And I know you're faithful. And some of you are in this room right now. You've been asking God for a long time to show you a sign. You don't need another sign. You need a savior. And maybe the doubt or the question that you've had for so long isn't even a question that if was answered, you would follow Jesus. It's just the doubt that's actually been a defense mechanism against the possibility of an answer so then you don't have to sacrifice something. And just so you know, following Jesus, a lot of us wanna get so close to him where we get all the benefits, we get all the things from the kingdom, if you will. We get all the benefits, we don't have to sacrifice anything. But following Jesus requires us to sacrifice something, requires us to surrender our lives to him. And so what do we do with all this? Number one, we worship in the waiting. We worship in the waiting. And we surrender in the silence. We worship in the waiting. And we surrender in the silence. Here's why. What's amazing is the story doesn't end with Zechariah just announcing the birth of his son Jesus, or the Gabriel announcing the son 
it continues. And when John is born, the relatives gather around and they say, he's to be named Zechariah because after his father. And Elizabeth's like, no, 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 you can't name him that. You have to name him John because that's what the angel Gabriel said we need to name him. And so they, they come over to Zechariah and it says this in verse 62. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. He was silent and apparently deaf because they made signs to him. For over nine months, probably, of the pregnancy, the first thing he does when his mouth is opened, he praises God. Zechariah's season of silence led Zechariah to surrender. And some of you in this room, you don't need another answer from God. You need God. Would you stand with me in this room? Put your notes down, Bible away. I believe that some people in this room right now, you did not expect this in Christmas to have the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time. And I also believe at the same time, there's a lot of people who follow Jesus for long enough and you know the exact thing that God is tugging at your heart right now to surrender to him. And I believe that God wants to use you on the other side of you realizing that you are so favored. And that favor is meant to magnify Jesus. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this time. Father, I give you my life. I lay my life down. I know you rose from the dead. I know you defeated the grave. So God, I want my life to make much of you. Father, I pray for the person in the room right now who ever since I said the name Evan and talked about the story of Evan, they know exactly the situation that they're going through right now that feels so hopeless, that feels so dark, that feels so broken, God, that they'd have the opportunity to lay that down in front of your feet on the cross. You took every single thing that we thought disqualified us from you. You took it on yourself so that we could have life and life to the full. Father, help us surrender to you. Help us praise you like Zechariah did as we sing this song. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.